My name is Josie Coleman, and I love bathtubs. I love bathtubs, and more particularly, I like bathtubs that have a hot water source <laughs> so that I can take a hot bath. Welcome to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. This is Alexandra Loves, and I'm here with my furry cosmic guardian, Cyrus and Bisu, joyfully coming to you from the moon garden where wisdom is nourished, awakening is embraced, and fun is encouraged. And today I have a really special episode with you. This guest I've known since my first days in Portland, and I have learned from her, taught with her, laughed and thrown our, you know, our hands up in the air, the wonder of this universe. And I'm excited to share this being with you who really to me she embodies grace and ease and curiosity all those things in one is just such a makes such a beautiful person and as a side note my little furry friend bisu is always sitting in my lap when i'm recording and sometimes in this episode he tries to sit on my face and climb up onto my shoulders so you know he's gonna make some appearances in this episode now before we, I introduce my guest, please find this podcast at Woke Wisdom Podcast on Instagram or Facebook, and you can find me personally at Tranquil Badassery on IG, and please, if you're enjoying what you hear here, tell people, and better yet, subscribe, and even better yet, rate and review us wherever you're listening to podcasts. Today, my guest is Josie Coleman. She fumbled her way through childhood as an out-of-control healer. She exhausted herself trying to heal and manage everybody's energy around her. Oh my gosh, I relate. <laughs> she started to include Eastern medicine into her healing process. This alternative mind-body-soul restoration carried her through her career as a hairdresser, happily doing intuitive readings of her clients as well as styling their hair. Feeling empowered, she dove into intuitive training classes at Lotus Lantern Lantern healing arts or abc collective online which that is with liliana barzola and she's a former guest on this podcast uh it's a great episode i hope you check it out so this is where josie coleman learned to hone in her skills in an ethical way as well as learning to stay grounded on her own healing path after years of training with many teachers she officially began her career as an intuitive over a decade later, she loves every day of this work. Her strengths vary, providing a list of healing options, one-on-one -on -one intuitive sessions, animal communication readings, and some of that happens in this podcast a little bit, astrology and space clearings for home and business, and that can happen virtually or in person. She now serves a diverse group of people from all over the world and enjoys being a support to those on their healing journey. Let's take a deep breath and welcome Josie Coleman. Okay, what is your favorite thing to put in the bath? Do you ever put anything in the bath? Yes, I mean, really what I, my favorite thing to do is to just put more bubbles than one should in the bathtub. But what I've been using a bath for lately is using a, uh, Epsom salts baths, which is just great. But really what I wanna do is just put all the bath bubbles in there. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. Three quarters water, one quarter and a half bottles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to admit something here that is sensitive because it's it's an addiction, I think. But when I was a kid, my there was a problem with bath baths uh, like bubble baths because I would eat the bubbles <laughs> and. To this day, so like I'll take a bath every once in a while and I 
this is just last year. This is kind of embarrassing, but this is just last year. I was like, I'm going to do a bubble bath like that. I was like, I'm fill this thing just overflowing. So I did it and I was sitting there going, God, these bubbles smell good. These bubbles smell good. And I tasted the bubbles and they tasted good to me. And I had two Ooh. mouthfuls of bubbles and I'm telling you, and it's, it's not normal. This is not normal <laughs> behavior because they didn't taste. They tasted like chemical bubbles, you know, like, uh-huh. I mean, it was as organic as possible, but still it's soap. Yeah. And yeah. since then I don't do ba- bubble baths because I think, I think that's actually an addiction in me that I, <laughs> I have, I eat, my name is Alexandra and I eat bath bubbles. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. Cause right when you said, you know, you saw the bubbles and you, you were like, Oh, they look so yummy. I just thought your next words were going to be, Oh, they were disgusting. You're like, no, they were actually yummy. <laughs> You're very good to me. The soap, the soap tastes. It's not healthy. Yeah. Sometimes like the chemicals, like <laughs> it is weird how they taste good. They shouldn't. But <laughs> oh, oh my God. I know I had as a kid, we had a bathtub, but it was outside of our house. It was in our yard because uh, we had a small little farm. And so there was no hot water to it. So we would just fill it up with the hose outside. And then, you know, we thought that was a bath. And I mean, I lived in a warm place like Northern California, yeah. but it's not that warm. And so I remember the idea of like living in a house with a bathtub inside that had hot water. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> ah, so nice. I know. So nice. Yeah. So Josie, if you could be an animal or non-human, what would it be and why? I would be some sort of bird. Like I want to say I wouldn't be a big bird. I'm really bad at what types of birds there are around here where (laughs) I live, but a medium sized bird. So they can go pretty high (laughs) and be above the trees and look down on, on things. I just love that perspective because anytime I'm laying on the ground and I'm looking up, I see all the birds that are up there and my whole life I have thought, what is, what do, what do they see? What's that perspective? And so I've always thought like when, when I die or, you know, if I get to just have a moment on the way from earth to, to where I'm going, if I could just be a bird for a second, like, that's what I thought. That's what I yeah. would want to do. <laughs> yes. That's a, uh, oh gosh. I-, I love that you're saying this because the very last recording I did with somebody, they said that same thing. And I've been thinking not exactly the same, but just the bird's eye view uh-huh. thing. And I am, I've been thinking about it for a while. And there's this video that was on, I don't know, national geographic or something as a kid. And, and they were talking about, I feel like they were talking about some sort of goose and they were in a glider plane and they were really high up over these mountains. And they were, I remember them showing this, film of just like what's below and they were like part of the city and some of these mountains and a river and stuff like that. And they were at this altitude where there's, there's a bird, there's a bird just up there by itself. And, and they were like, it's, it's strange because this bird is usually like, you don't usually see just one of them uh, alone. And they, yeah. they had all these hypotheses and all this stuff about these scientists in the back, you know, ornithologists talking about like, what is this bird doing? Is it mapping a course? Is it, you know, all this stuff because it could see everything. It was like, maybe some, it's like, maybe part of the flock could go over there. And then maybe, you know, it was like, they were hypothesizing about why this bird is up there. And 
And so I, I realized that my head was sort of attached to like, oh, if I can see everything then I could create all the structures and, you know, it was like very heady, like, you know, I, I, I can, yeah. um, I can create from, from see if I can see everything, but then the pilot goes, the pilot is like, oh, maybe the bird's just up here for fun. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I was like, yeah, maybe that's another a way to experience having that bird's eye view. And I think that's important for me to, especially for me, I think that's important because I can get into my head a lot. And so much of my practice is like coming into the heart, coming into the heart because I easily just stick, stay up here. Yeah. And it, just, it really, I'm, I'm going to try to find that video online. I remember seeing it a long time ago and it replayed in my head. Um, but it was just, it just like exploded for me because um that view that bird's eye view of everything you know it's nice to just observe life yeah yes <laughs> you know yeah and just be in the moment like that well especially what you said with the purpose of you know just the idea of that the purpose would be for fun you know for i'm fun. like oh right that's never the first thing that comes to my mind <laughs> I'm, like, huh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> to think about that now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, Josie, is there something significant uh, that you discovered about yourself this year? Yeah, yeah, there is. I have really been working on self-compassion, which actually this kind of is from, you know, leads into that idea of like, what am I, am I doing this for fun? You know, because self-compassion mm -hmm. is, what I'm learning about it anyway, is just looking at how I do things and giving myself a break. Cause I think, um, it's really hard for me to put myself out in public. So as a healer, you know, you still have to advertise, you still have to do things. And yeah. my introverted Pisces self just wants to observe and feel everything that's happening in the world. I don't want to be a part of it. So, you know, I've been trying for years to put myself out there and this last year, especially thinking about self-compassion, I'm like, God, I really have given myself this, the, the love that I needed of, of just acknowledgement that it's hard because yeah. I've been trying to like, get over it, get past it. And that doesn't do anything, you know? So kind of settling in has helped a lot. <laughs> do you, so. Okay. Can you share sort of before you sort of open this door to the self-compassion, what was it looking, what did it look like for you before? Like <clears throat> yeah. you judging yourself because you weren't putting yourself out there or was yeah. it, what was it causing for you? Uh, anxiety for sure. Yes. <laughs> I was judging myself that I wasn't able to be natural and put myself out there and do it often, you know, whatever I felt like I was supposed to be doing. And mm -hmm. so it just created all this anxiety. And then I got really in my head about any little thing I put out there, it has to really explain who I am and embody what I believe in. And I'm just like, and then I'd want to take a nap because like, that's <laughs> exhausting. So, you know, it's that whole thing of who you are publicly does not have to completely represent who you are personally, belief systems, personality, all that. And 
that idea, oh, okay, I don't have to be both at the same time. It's, I mean, I get that everybody thinks that, that has to put their self, themselves out there, but it's like, it was brand new idea for me. I'm like, oh, okay. I can be, put myself out there however I want to put myself out there. Also know that I'm anxious about doing it. Love myself for that. And then do what I'm going to do, whether it fits a schedule, a way of being or whatever, you know. Dude, <laughs> I no, I love you're saying this because uh, I've put myself out there a lot, like on videos and stuff. And I always love doing it in a casual way. But after a while of doing that, I I just, you know, I haven't made a lot of videos the way I was before in a few mm-hmm. years now. And <clears throat> I am struggling with the communication of myself to the world, especially when it comes to social media. Yeah. And, and so hearing you say that is helpful because I came to the recent realization and said it out loud. And I was like, Oh, it's so freeing, which is I'm not a content creator. Ooh, I am not a content creator. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. (laughs) And, And I, I recognize that is so very helpful when you have a beautiful Instagram and all this stuff. I don't get it. I get it. I see it conceptually. I don't know how to do it. And I tried and I, just, it's just so fucking exhausting. Like some people are just like, Oh, this filter. And then this, and this. then you say these yeah. things in this copy, like they know how yep. to just naturally write copy. And I'm like, get me in a room talking to people or in a session. Like, I just need somebody to record that and just put it up for me. That makes sense. That's all poetic and everything. And that makes sense. But yeah. naturally, but like, yeah. if you're asking me to do it in the world of putting myself out there, it actually, it's very precarious. Yeah, it is. And I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm parallel with you on that, with the idea of like content and copy. I also, and I'd be curious to see if this matches with you too. I also have, this thing where I see, I'm very visual. I'm, I love thinking in creative uh, visuals, you know, and it's like, I can't translate that onto an Instagram post because I'm not a graphics designer. So I'm like, yes, (laughs) (laughs) so true. Oh my gosh. Which is why, which is why people like you and me would do really well with having teams of people. Yes. 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 A team to translate what I said to then create the graphics where I said, and then keep up with, with the social media. It's funny, yeah. the more, maybe you feel this too, but the more I get clear on sort of the work that I'm doing and, and starting to like develop, you know, always developing the skill and, and learning and everything, the less and less I want to even touch social media. Yes. Do you feel that? Like Yes. Yep. Yeah. And it's that idea that, um, you know, that I, I can put out there whatever I want, but, um, and I'll say this, you gave me this, this idea of, Hey, just be who you are, create a pathway for people to find you. That's been a significant thing that you said to me months ago that I've really, it was a personal thing that we were talking about, but it's really bled into my business because, you know, if I'm looking at the analytics of Instagram, I don't get a lot of business from putting free content out. I know that there's a purpose for it and you can, but mm-hmm. I personally don't get a lot of business from that. I just 
get business from word of mouth, which is just funny in today's age that it still is about word of mouth. I love that. Bless it. Yep. May it continue and flow. I yes. Love it. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think like a business person would say like, oh, that's attraction marketing. You just attract the people, you know, yep. um, but you bring up something really interesting, which is not getting business from, uh, from the free content. And I found out, I had a lot of complaints in the beginning a long time ago about, about not putting out free content. And, and I actually was, it just was, that it wasn't organized because mm -hmm. I was just putting out videos when I felt them, you know, that's, I was just doing it. If all anybody needed to do is just scroll through my Facebook and tons of free content, tons of it. Yes. Um, and my YouTube and, um, and I realized something, and this is definitely part of like my own spiritual journey through business. And, and I want to just say for listeners, like, it does sound like we're, we're talking like about, about business, which is, is true. We're touching on that, but it's also when you're an entrepreneur and when you're, especially in these, these worlds, like Josie are in the, in the world of like healing and working with people like really, um, in really intimate ways and the type of care for self and the mm -hmm. type of awareness that, that we end up developing, um, creates what I believe is that this path of, of the business part, the businessy part of what you're doing, mm -hmm. the, the best thing is for it to be aligned with your natural internal spiritual flow. Yes. Because, you know, because if it's not, then, then you, it's like, you have to jump out of your own, your world, which is important for us to stay in. Yep. Important for us to stay in when we're working with people. Well, like, actually, well, what's something that you said kind of triggered something in my head too, is that's this whole like idea of, um, I think the phrase is the great Re recession, whoever coined that, but this idea that the younger generation, it's not clicking with them to just go to work and put that in a compartment in their head. Yeah. Like I do work. I yes. do life. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like that we're moving into a time for everyone. doesn't matter what generation you're in, where your purpose does connect to your work, does connect to your relationships in a way that it just hasn't before. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm finding that I have a larger commitment now in my life to be fully in, in my work and being mm. on that, on that journey. And okay. We were talking about pathways in and yeah. I realized like putting out free content wasn't or organic to me mm. because it felt like I was just making things just to put it out and not necessarily. And one, it, it I was making things just to put it out. And also it wasn't necessarily bringing people, you know, bringing clients in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I realized that, you know, this pathway in that we were talking about creating a pathway, what, what people who are in business might call like attraction marketing or whatever yeah. um, is, is how, how can I really, how can I really embody, you know, in my life, I embody, and I'm always evolving in the embodiment of who I am and what I do and the work that I do with women. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I realize that maybe it's not fully translatable on social media. I don't, I think something gets yeah. lost on social media and because it, it, it gets algorithmed and it gets, um, 
it, the type of talking we do is going to yeah. look different and the way people receive it, they're not going to understand the tonality. They're going to get this little piece of you and not understand the, the full temple that you are. <laughs> you yes. Know? So, so these invitations, it's like, I'm realizing when it comes to putting myself out there that creating invitations, invitations, invitations seems to be more aligned with, with what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm still experimenting with it myself. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up this pathways thing because, um, I, I see in the world, how we are changing now Mm -hmm. that it is, how do I say it? It's, there's less fronting. I don't know if that's the right mm. word. People are more aware mm-hmm. of, of things that don't match, like of non-integrity or yeah. not to say that putting out content just for free is, is non-integrity. It's just, I'm just saying like people are more clued into like what is real, what feels real to them, how they can deeply connect. And I think that a veil is being lifted around social media where, where it's like, you know, there's a block to really deep connection when it comes to yeah. just putting out content. Yeah, I agree. And I think the people that put out a lot of content that love it and do it, there's a place for that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. nice that for, you know, people like us, we don't have to do that. That isn't the one, there's only one way to do it. And yeah, and yeah even just connecting with people, <laughs> uh, right? You know, we don't all connect the same way. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Plus this idea that then, okay, so then we get connected to our authentic self. How does that create, or how does that then translate into being out in the public social media, all that stuff? Um, It does make me feel a little more vulnerable, but I I think I'm just, that's that self-compassion part where I'm like, okay, just recognize it makes you feel more vulnerable because you're trying to be yourself more, um, I think something that's really important to me is not coming across as somebody who's spiritually bypassing the things that are happening that day. Like I'll record a a video about, oh, the energy of the week. And then I post it on a day where something really huge happens in the world. And I'm like, well, that sounds tone deaf. You know, it's like, (laughs) okay, well, it's out there. You know, I mean, I'm never going to be able to be in the moment with what's going on. And sure, I can post something else that responds to what's going on in the world, but I'm just like, I have to have self-compassion about bad timing. (laughs) It's possible. It happens a lot. Yes. Uh, I've definitely been there. The posting Mm -hmm. when (laughs) it doesn't match what everybody's talking about, but you know, when it comes to self, one thing I, I realized too, is that there is a narrative. We only get part of the narrative on social media, you know, yeah. We only get to see as, as much, as far reaching as the internet is, there's so many things that we, we don't know that's going on. And, and, um, I, you know, I'm very appreciative of when people are putting anything out there that is promoting self-healing, that's promoting, like, here's a way for you to, you know, to here's a story or, or a course or a, um, you know, something inspiration, wisdom that could help you with your pain. Because that's one thing I, I think a lot of, whether we're conscious of it or not, people, a lot of people are coming to social media to solve the pain that they're in. Yeah. 
looking agree. for dopamine hits. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's, a, it's different because it used to be in the past, I still see this out here, but in the past, it was like, you'd look on social media and it would say, here's the three steps to overcoming everything. Here's the 10 steps to overcoming <laughs> yeah. everything, you know? And it was like, oh, I'd click on that and I'd read them and it just does nothing, you know? And so now there's this whole idea, which I like in the healing community where it's like, we're not here to tell you how to get over something or to heal yourself. We're here to give you our stories. So that in turn can be a mirror to you and show you what you're doing and how you're doing well. You know, we're all, we're all in our own healing path Mm -hmm. and there's no 10 steps to everything, but God, that stuff is such clickbait and that's hard because people do want to believe there's only three steps. (laughs) I know. I I used to sell this class long ago and it was so funny because I, I took the marketing that was, it was through a certificate. I got a certification to be a, a love attraction coach, which I still am. Um, I don't even know if that's on my website anymore, but yeah. <laughs> um, but the marketing, she was like, you know, we are certified to sell a certain class that we, we, you know, learned how to teach and everything. And it was, um, nine steps to your soulmate based on a book this mm. this woman had had written which is is a fairly good book oh. and i eventually augmented that class into four steps to your soulmate and it was <laughs> <laughs> and it was but i used the same marketing on accident i didn't know a lot about marketing at that time so i used the same marketing because it was all the same type of content and i realized that people were though people were getting like it was a workshop in a class though people are really getting a lot of that class and really their loves like the content was good but it was it was so interesting i i learned about how how many more people were interested when i said four steps as as yeah you know, opposed to just, you know, like let's go on this journey together. And I thought, wow, that's yeah. That's that's so sad because you know, once they got in the class, they realized that these four steps are actually very involved things that are processes. They're not yes. just like, yes. that's <laughs> you, always the case. Handle, you turn around, you <laughs> jump up and down, and then you just yeah. all of your shoulder, and then he's there. Yay! <laughs> you know, like um, uh, so, so in integrity, I was not teaching that there are four steps, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just let people know, here's the first, you know, here are the processes. And, um, I, I learned that, and I, and I also started applying that to my own spiritual experience of just what in my life, when it comes to my prayers, what ceremony, what ceremonies and ritual, like I am involved in, mm. when am I doing this thing where I'm like, I'm expecting this thing to show up in the way I want it to show up tomorrow. Like it's Amazon, like praying yes. with the ancestors or healing processes like Amazon or, yeah. or I've gone through this healing process and this is now never going to happen to me again. That happens too. Yes. That's so true. It's that cause and effect and, you know, karma and Dharma and all that, where we just decide we can control Mm-hmm. the the cause and effect and mm-hmm. okay I've put in this work I should now be at this level or be seen this way or whatever I I definitely relate to that because I think for myself I have to constantly remind myself mm-hmm. Josie this is a path that like until you draw your last breath you're going to be working on something so get mm-hmm. over the idea that you just have to make it to the next thing it's you know those are great goals if you need them but I'm just constantly 
I feel like I start spinning on the hamster wheel of next step, next step, next step. And so I think for me, especially recently, I've, I've just been like, okay, let's shift that. What's the next step? What's the next question I need to be asking? What's the next piece of information that would be in my highest good to come into my life for me to learn the next thing, not the next step, but the next thing, you know, I'm going to be on this journey the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm getting hugs from Bisu right now. Thank you. Bisu. That's a big hug too. I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Josie, if before you, well, first I want to ask when it comes to like the healing arts, could you just tell us a little bit about, about how you came to be in the healing arts? Cause you, you mm-hmm. do like psychic type healing and also yeah. you also mix that in with a really awesome, vast wisdom around astrology. Yeah. 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 I've got, I kind of all over the place with it, which I feel okay about because I love all the subjects, but yeah, that psychic healing, energy healing, astrology. Um, I've been doing a lot of space clearing people's homes and businesses. I do that a lot virtually and in person. And um, I'm working on a lot of animal communication classes and workshops to help people like connect with their animals more. Uh, So I love it. I'm kind of, I feel a little bit like I'm all over the place, but I feel really in, in, I feel like my integrity is that I love all of these things and I put everything into them. Um, But yeah, my, I, I love doing all of that. I'd say my style is that people come to me and they're in the midst of wanting to know what's next. A lot of times people will come to me with the idea of, Hey, can you look at my astrology and tell me when the best date is to do blah, 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 which uh-huh. sure. I can give you a couple dates. There's always more than one, but I, I kind of want to take it back and look at people in their energy field and what's going on in their bodies, mm-hmm. hearts, and minds about why they want to do that. What are they, where are they feeling mm-hmm. stuck what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is always something that is not what they're talking about. So if you want, I mean, we, I, I feel like we all know this, but it's just kind of a funny thing. Maybe we don't, but this idea of like, I'm single, I want a partner that is somebody looking for connection for family, for all of that. It's more than just finding that perfect person. Cause in today's world, a successful relationship can be a relationship that you're in for a few years and it ends. It's not, yes. you don't live in a yes. world where the yes. perfect relationship is finding that one person and dying together on your bed, you know, so <laughs> when you're 99 years old, that doesn't, that's not the only version of what a good uh, relationship is. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says to me, I'm looking for that perfect partner, I'm like, whoa, we've got a lot of ground to cover. And I'm sure you've dealt with this with uh, working with women who, you know, want to be in relationships. It's like, it's not just finding that perfect person. Let's look at all these other things. And then of course, on an energetic level, when I'm looking at somebody's chakra, their chakras and their aura field, and maybe some, some past issues are coming up. There's a lot that can be cleared there. And that's the thing that I get excited about Mm. is clearing people of any blocks that are hindering them from getting their own information. Because I would rather have them come away from a session with me or a few sessions with me where they feel more empowered to go with their intuition versus if they had a few sessions with me and they're like, oh, I got to go ask Josie what's next. 
I yes. want them to get away from that old healing mode way of thinking. Like that's my healer, quote unquote. No, uh-huh. I just want, I heal. I talk to this person every once in a while. I don't know why, but I feel good afterwards. And I feel more connected to myself. That's like the greatest compliment I can. Yes, ever have. absolutely. Yes. And thank you for breaking it down specifically in that way, because as we both know, we are in sort of the industry of the things that we do that's that we're related to. It, there's a lot of uh, of, you know, I am your healer and yeah. programs and, and ways set up where people are set up to just think the next, the next, the next. As a matter of fact, the first program I was in that I actually found out later, I didn't really need the program, but uh, later <laughs> it was like it was like all about keep them getting to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And I was like, okay, I understand why that makes sense business-wise. But if we're really talking about like, what is the ultimate healing? That yeah. is like finding that within yourself. It doesn't mean you don't have a team or people that help you, but it's it's the it's something that's activated inside you. So I'm just mm-hmm. really glad that you're, I'm really glad that you have that that perspective and that you're, yeah. you're, you're breaking it down so clearly. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are, who are, sort of just unplugging and looking for these types of like really want to step in onto a path of, of uh, recognizing themselves as, as healers and, and yeah. really clue into their own intuition. Would you say that, would you say, can we talk about intuition for a moment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you say that well, first of all, well, hold on. Let me back up just a second here. I'm going to have to cut this because I think I just <laughs> had the biggest brain fart. <laughs> Love it. Uh, brain fart literally on my notes right now. <laughs> brain fart 32.27. Uh, yeah, I also have the cat. He's down here like for a minute. He was down here like. He just really wants my attention when I'm doing something he's not supposed to be involved with. Yes. Yes. Well, because he's in charge. So (laughs) (laughs) this is his house. Yes. I am his human. Uh, (laughs) When it when it comes to when it comes to intuition, what would you say to anybody who's really wanting to be developed it strongly in their own intuition? Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, there's so many different ways to connect with it. I think um, it's, it's funny because my own experience was learning how to shut it down. Um, and that was really helpful for me. Just the idea that there were rules or ethics or, I mean, rules sounds kind of harsh, but there were ways to use your intuition for yourself only. Don't keep reaching out and using it for other people. So um, I would say that right away. Like if you want to open up your intuition, really go with your gut and find people or find the classes or whatever that feel like they have some sort of ethical boundaries. And they're not just telling you to just start opening up and reading everyone at the grocery store, whatever, you know, it's, there's, that's a real slippery slope when somebody says, let's see, let's open up your seventh chakra, your spiritual chakra and see what comes in, like run the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I I don't think I answered your other question about how I came into this, but that was how I came into it was that I felt so open 
And I was getting overwhelmed with what I was feeling from people. And I was um, a hairdresser for many, many years. So I was using my hands to touch people. And I felt like touch was, was giving me too much information. And so when I first got into taking lessons, it was about shutting it down, how to know when to open it, how much to open it. You don't have to open it a hundred percent can be 10%. And that's when I met Liliana at Lotus Lantern was just the idea that you can play with it and create intuition that works for you, which was so helpful for me because then I could shut it down when I was at work. I wasn't as exhausted at the end of the day. And I was like, Whoa, I can play with this. This is just, we're, it feels like we're imagining stuff and making up crazy stories, but yet it works. It affects my body. It affects my life. Like it's crazy. I, I like that you're saying that because, uh, I think it's a good lesson for all of us is to, um, I too was kind of like so open (laughs) years ago and was just like my nervous system. I mean, I have a lot of nervous system issue challenges and my nervous system couldn't take it because, you know, also just the sensing of how um, contrary we are as human, it's seemingly contrary. And part of that was just that I was taking in so much information and then getting the answer that the human, the person in front of me wanted to give. And I'm like, but this is not in my mind. I'm like, this is not how you feel. And so I'd be like prying a little bit. And then I realized like, I'm the same way. I have all sorts of reactions, but Mm -hmm. at some point I'm going to choose to go with one of them. And that's, you know, that's actually not, it's just seemingly contrary. It's not really, it's just that I, we're all multifaceted human beings and we, and we feel all sorts of things. And, and at some point we just will choose what we're, what we're going to communicate and, and, you know, believe. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, do you have any, please tell me, do you have (laughs) any stories of people (laughs) because <laughs> especially when you're in like a healing field and, and work with sort of the psychic uh, world, do you have any stories <laughs> where people are just like, no, Josie, <laughs> don't yeah. you, I don't want you to see this about me. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. What always <laughs> happens with that is people will unconsciously start reading me. Like they just have, <laughs> there's no boundaries. Like I'll say something like, oh, you know, I see this is really hard or uh, this relationship, you know, it sounds like it's ending, whatever, you know, the way they're talking and they'll be like, you know, I think that you're just upset because I'm in a relationship and you aren't, you know, and they know nothing about me. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so you're starting to read me. Let's um, <laughs> pull our energy back. And would you like me to continue reading you? You know, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. And I've even had a couple friends that are also clients, like they'll start to read me and I'll be like, would you just stop? Like we only have a half an hour, quit reading me because you're deflecting. (laughs) It's like, I put up all my boundaries and stuff and it's just so funny, but I get it because, you know, they come to this vulnerable space and they're asking, you know, what's going on with me. And I'm not giving them the exact answers they want. You know, they're Mm -hmm. saying, does this person love me? What are they thinking about me right now? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's look at like, I'm not going to go into somebody's space and invade their privacy and tell you what they're thinking about you. Let's see what that's bringing up in you. Let's do the healing. Uh Mm -hmm. Let's not get out of control here. So it's, um, it's definitely that feeling of like guiding people and I get pushed back all the time and I'm just like, okay, well, let's see. Does that mean we don't talk about this? We move on to something else or what? Like, I'm not here to, I'm here to help you. I'm not here Mm -hmm. to 
to argue about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're aware of that because, uh, it's important. It's, it's an, it's an interesting challenge. I think there is when, when you're in doing the work that you're doing. And I think it's important for people in positions like yours and people in positions like mine to really really understand the the energetic boundaries because sometimes they're yeah. so intricate and and there's a lot of irresponsibility out there you know with energetic boundaries so sometimes they're just like so there's like these nuances and it's a it's an ongoing uh it's an ongoing process and mm-hmm. and you know I personally feel lucky to have people coming to work with me that are um, grounded and strong in like their own navigation. Like that's something I always tell people, like you got to be able to navigate yourself. Like I, sometimes I might say something that you do not want to touch. You have to be able to tell me that because I'll just keep going, you know? So, um, I'm really glad that you're bringing that up, especially because again, there are listeners who are, who are just kind of like just starting to plug into this world. And Mm -hmm. these are really good things to look for in, you know, who you're, who you who you decide to open your spiritual life to yes. who you decide to get vulnerable with and who you learn to heal yourself with is yes. that they're aware of their own process and, and and making healthy choices you know balanced choices and in yeah. energetic boundaries yeah that's <laughs> it's huge it's so huge cuz i think you know i can help people uh with any kind of blocks and with any kind of healing they're doing and not have the same remote life experience with them. I talk to people all over the world really. And I don't know what they're going through, but I do know I can connect on certain levels of how fear, anxiety, love, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And so it is great. Like if I'm in my own integrity, if I'm working on myself, then I don't have to hundred percent understand them. I'm always curious because I love to understand new ways of being and new ways of thinking things. I love that part of it, but my job is to, is to be there and to be in my own integrity so that they can learn to be in their own integrity. And I love that. I love when people, when it clicks in with them, you know, somebody every once in a while will be like, Oh yeah, you taught me that tool. Or I use that in public. I kind of pulled my energy back from somebody and that really made me feel good. You know, I just want to say thanks. And then we go on and I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly why I do this. This is so great because I've had those moments where I've learned from somebody how to manipulate my energy, bring it back to me or whatever. And uh, it's, it's great when you learn that stuff, it's like so freeing. So that's mm-hmm. all I want. I want other people to be in their freedom as well. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned, I was at, a, I believe a workshop that you and Liliana were teaching together and it's been something that I have seen my grandmother. Do. I see old Southern black women do it. Uh-huh. I see women from South America and I see, uh, I, Latinx women do this. Mm-hmm. I really hope I'm using the right terminology. I think I'm up to date, but please let me know if I'm yeah. not up to date people out there. Yep. Um, but it's, it's this thing of, it's a type of mirroring. We know that there's all sorts of types of mirroring, but it's a type of mirroring. And it's, you know, when you're talking about pulling back energy, when I'm in those situations where I don't like the energy exchange that's going on. Mm. There's this thing that I learned from you and and Liliana, which is this sort of like just blank neutral. Yeah. Just turn your face into a mirror basically. And your emotion, just pull back all my emotions, my face, everything, and just neutral. 
Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause what I picture, uh, yeah, the neutrality, like for me, I also picture myself wrapped in bubble wrap. So it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a cushion, but it's clear. So people still know I exist and I'm standing there, but there, but there's this nice buffer that feels like a cushion for me. And that's that mirror. <laughs> that's what I picture in my head. <laughs> what, what do you say about the, these things that we can imagine like bubble wrap around us or once one woman told me that when she's out at nighttime she always imagines a doberman on either side of her and like yes yeah and people and she told me i can't remember who told me this so if this is your story i i don't honestly i don't remember who told me this but she That's was like great. she's like yeah i have a doberman on on either side of me and once she was walking out at, at night and she was in an area where she didn't intend to be that late at night and this this guy walked by and he kind of like did a double take right where her Dobermans were. And she's like, I swear he saw them because yes. she's been doing this practice for so long. So please tell me what, can you please just share a little bit about these imagination, these quote unquote things that we're imagining that can help protect us? Yeah. Well, you know, it's this idea that, that just accepting the fact that we're making shit up, like we're making this up, this we're imagining bubble wrap, we're imagining, you know, a space bubble, whatever, but you gotta also really know that this stuff it, in some way, somebody could explain it scientifically. I'm sure, you know, I mean, they do, it does all connect, like making stuff up is then gets turned into reality. So I always use this example of, you know, people are always like, how did so-and-so write that book? You know, that's a crazy idea. Where did that come from? Yeah. Well, that was an imagination, you know, and then it comes into all of um, all of our worlds. Like the other day I was telling somebody, oh, this reminds me of the secret garden. And I don't even remember the book necessarily. I just remember there was a secret garden, haha, name of the book. And a little girl found it and she felt like she had a place where she could go that she was away from her family and it felt good. That's all I remember. Yeah. But this idea that somebody thought of that and you bring it in, you know, that could be my reality. That is kind of how I live my life is when I go into gardening and digging in the dirt, that's something that I literally do. And it really makes me feel the same way as that book. So you've got imagination turning in, giving you the same feeling as something physical. And so that's how I'm always thinking about it. Like who cares if we're making it up or not? How does it make you feel? You know, it's that idea of the bubble wrap makes me feel secure and grounded, which then helps me react to people in reality in a much more grounded way. And maybe I'm not anxious or, you know, maybe I don't get lit up or pissed off as fast because I'm more grounded. I feel like I've got space. So I kind of, I'm always telling people like, just try it, just make this up. Imagine this, like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it's that, it's also that idea. I think this one, I think I'm borrowing from Liliana or somebody else. I think it's her where it's this idea of like Star Trek. They had cell phones in the sixties, you know, yes. and we're like, that's hilarious. And now that's what we live by. So science yes. fiction turns into reality at some point. So why wouldn't imagination help you in reality at some point? You know? <laughs> yes. Thank you. I, oh, I love it. Uh, and I, I love it when people are like, oh, that sounds ridiculous. And I'm like, just do me one favor. Just try it one time and then tell me how it goes. Really, honestly, like eight times out of 10, they're going to be like, whoa, it did something. I don't know what, you know, because mm -hmm. they always come back and go, can you tell me how to do that again? You know, because they forget. So I just trust in it. I just yeah. trust in it. Yeah.
Yeah. And trust. It's interesting that you, you ended this with saying trust because, because this is a sort of a, a spiritual foundation for me that I, I have been experimenting with. I realized that I was conditioned to not trust the spiritual. I, I grew up in oh. a, a Christian, a Catholic home and I never was Christian or Catholic from like, I was born, not Christian. I always say. <laughs> Yeah, I was always fighting, but some of that stuff did seep in and shaped how I interact with like God, the spirit, prayer, grace, faith, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm finding different little things that I'm rebalancing all the time. And one of the things is, is that I now that I'm in spiritual practices that that make sense for me mm. uh, around ceremony, ritual, what I believe in all this stuff, I'm realizing that trust and faith are are really big faith is a type of trust. Um, yeah, agreed. They're, they're really big sticking points for me. And I, and mm -hmm. I have trouble. I, I was in survival mode a lot in this world. And so I, I and by myself, single woman for a long time. And so mm -hmm. I was kind of in this place of just like, I have to get this done. I'm the only one who can get this done. This is the yes. way. It's, yeah. Right. So I was yep. like living like right. that. And, and so that took me out of my heart. It took me out of, of really my, the divine femininity really that I, I possess and have found my way back to. And mm. my mentor was saying, was saying, you know, you really have to, to, or she didn't say have to, but you really need to, or it's necessary for you to trust. It helps mm. activate these, these energies around you or these, these, you know, these agreements that you've, you've made with spirit or whatever. And I feel like yeah. what you're talking about is, is exactly that is trusting in that activates the realness of it. Yes. And Ooh, help I grow. Yeah. 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 Cause of course, you know, if you're always imagining things that help you tools do come back to me a lot that are the same, but then you kind of evolve and move on to the next mm -hmm. thing. And yeah, trusting activates. I love that, that those words together. Cause it sounds, it sounds positive without being spiritually bypassing. <laughs> you know, it's like it'll activate something. It's not going to solve it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just the process and the journey. I mean, yep. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing that I would, I, I have been doing for myself and that I'd love to do for other people is accepting the, the joy it's the joy is a word that does not seem to fit it, but accepting the joy of the process, getting away from, you know, being down on ourselves because we're not in a certain place and it's a grounded joy. It's like, a you know, just really believing that this is why I'm here is to be in process. Where can I find the joy in that as well as have goals and figure out what you want to do, but just be at peace you know, with, with that process. Yeah. Yeah. Josie, uh, what are you up to these days that's aligned with your spirit? Oh man, I really feel like, um, I'm connecting with this, a lot of animal work I'm doing. It's lighting me up like in a great way right now, because people are actually interested in, in learning about communicating with their animals. And everybody thinks, you know, they, they have, well, I mean, I get it. You go to somebody, you have them communicate with your animals. And every time I have an appointment like that, I try to teach the, the client one little thing, like, Hey, think of it this way. Animals think differently. We're trying to be Dr. Doolittle where we're hearing an animal speak our same language. 
let's like shift and go into a place where we're trying to connect with the animals and speak their language. So it's just fun for me because again, you know, the animals can't say, Hey, Josie, you're doing this right. Or you're doing it wrong. I'm just like having (laughs) fun with developing ways to connect with animals. And that seems to be really lighting me up right now. And just like getting me excited for other people to connect with their animals. Cause there's so yeah. many, especially post pandemic or during pandemic people that adopted animals and <laughs> yeah. have them in their life now. So it's like, it's exciting to think about that. We could connect with them on different ways, you know? In yeah. Different ways. yeah. Speaking of, I just have this little orange cat <laughs> who is now like pawing at my leg. Yeah. Every podcast interview, every online panel, like mm-hmm. whatever it is, if I'm focused on the computer and talking to someone, he doesn't even, I don't think he even understands that there's like a person I'm talking to. I'm, I imagine yeah. his perspective is just like I'm engaging with the computer in some kind of way. Yes. Yes. But he, he wants to be, here he comes. He yeah. just wants I- to be part of it. I think it's like energetic candy for animals. You know, when they see their humans, like when you're engaged in this, it's different than when you're sitting watching TV or reading a book. So yeah. animals really perceive the shift in our energy, our aura, our chakras, they see all that stuff. And so for them, it's just like candy. They're like, Ooh, she's really lit up. And I want to like touch that and be a yes. part of it <laughs> and help, you know? Oh my God. Bisu, is that what it is? <laughs> Yes, yes, she gets me. Josie gets me. (laughs) Yes, and I'm also on in charge. Definitely, (laughs) I think that animals are in charge. They're kind of funny that way. Yes. Uh, Have you always worked? Like, obviously, you said you're you were just now starting these classes, but have you always worked with animals or been attracted to? Yeah, I have because I I was fortunate enough to grow up with animals. We always had dogs um, and cats. And then for part of my growing up experience, we lived on a farm. So we had sheep and horses and goats and all kinds of stuff. And mm-hmm. and we had a lot of sheep, especially. And I just used to walk out in the middle of the field and just lay on my back and just look up at the sky and be in the field with the animals. And it was really calming to me, you know, because I just had a lot of the the survival of life, the anxiety of life. Like I didn't, I was in that all the time. So I didn't really understand how to counteract that. And so my little kid way was like, I'm just going to go lay on the ground. Little did I know, you know, if people do that, go to workshops to learn this now, like lay (laughs) on the ground with the animals, sniffing at your face and, you know, doing all that. And it was just so, it was so grounding for me. And animals always made me feel accepted, even if I wasn't accepting myself or felt accepted by my yeah. community animals always accepted me. And so I've, I've been in that place my whole life. Like I have, when I was, I'm doing a workshop for animal communication and, and it's just called the energetics of animals. And I was looking at old pictures of me and I'm like, you know, here's like a little tiny me with a huge horse. And I just look so relaxed, you know, it's just, that mm-hmm. was way easier for me than being around my peers and in, in community. So you were the girl who talked to horses when you were a kid. Yes. Yeah. I feel like every grade in my school had like one or two. It was always women yes. girls that like they were cool. They Maybe they had friends or not, but like they, yeah. just, they could talk to horses. Yeah. And they're always drawing horses. Yes. And- <laughs> Was that you? Yep. Totally. <laughs> I love 
that was totally me. And I didn't have a horse, but I used to like, I had a barn that I would go to and clean in exchange for hanging out for the whole day and maybe getting a riding lesson that always wasn't guaranteed, but I didn't care. I didn't need to own one. I didn't, well, I couldn't, but but it was also one of those things where it was like, I just wanted to be around them. So it was an exchange that way. Wow. I, I love how, you know, generationally, and, and also I think just where we live and what our occupations are, there's this, um, this thing I notice, and that is this sort of making fun of the, I think it's like a millennials or Gen Z thing, making fun of like treating animals as like children and yes. stuff like that. Yes. Totally. I've seen the, the meme wars and stuff and, and, you know, people are like, look, I corrected your meme. And it's like things like news, news stations saying like millennials are trying to feed their kid, their, their pets, the gourmet food. And then somebody corrected is like, no, we just want them to not eat fillers. We want them to eat real yes. food because you know, there are kids and, yes. and stuff like that. And I know for sure, like I, I grew up with fish and turtles and I didn't quite connect with those though. I love them. <laughs> But yeah. this is the first time in my life, like these two cats that I have now are, are the first cats. And yeah. I did not, because I did not grow up with furry animals or beings mm-hmm. that were outside of like amphibian and fish. I didn't realize that animals have these emotional lives that are similar to ours. Yeah. I didn't know that they go through like phase for some reason in my mind, I thought it was just mostly like a primal, like a cat is going to be a lazy mm-hmm. cat or it's going to be like a, a outdoors. Like, you know, there's like three, 10, five, six, 10, whatever categories that a cat's going to fall into. I did not know that age food there, mm-hmm. if they had a scrap with each other, how much sun they're getting. I didn't know that that, you know, I guess this is what they're calling sentient beings. Right. But like, yeah, I just yeah, didn't yeah. know that. And my appreciation for animals completely changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And they will choose you for reasons. You know, I think about, um, I had a dog once that was a rescue and she was just, she didn't like a lot of people. And she had this look on her face all the time. She was kind of had a little sharpness, So lots mm-hmm. of smush on her face yeah. and you couldn't tell if she was worried or mad at you. So people would be kind of like, Oh, your dog's cute. I think, can I pet her? And I'm like, I don't know. Cause I don't know if she likes you or not. Like, but I was somebody that, you know, at that time when I had her, I felt like I needed to be liked by everybody. And it was just uh-huh. unconscious. And then yeah. I get this dog that then doesn't like a lot of people. And I learned <laughs> boundaries through her. And it was really yes. interesting because I'm like, wow, I actually learned a lesson from an animal. And yeah, having relationships with animals. I know when I was a kid, when we finally moved onto the farm, we kind of had this weird collection of animals that people like either were trying to get rid of or, you know, were, were not they like a horse that we really couldn't ride. And mm-hmm. it was just the horse was depressed. And I remember at the time not getting it. And over the years that we had her really it took a long time for her to trust me and to want to actually hang out with me. And it wasn't really what I wanted because I wanted to go riding and I wanted to do this and that. Yeah. But it was still a relationship that I realized like, whoa, this is really complicated. And it's, it can be as complicated as humans, which I think is what leads us into this whole thing nowadays where everybody has animals and we, it's a joke that we treat them like they're our babies, but a lot of people have some really intimate connections with their animals (laughs) 
Yeah. And a lot of people cry way more when their animal dies than when a family member dies. I mean, I've heard that again and again, and I'm like, Oh, that's ouch, you know, but it's also one of those things where what that says to me is that when the person's telling me that they had a real vulnerable connection with their animal that maybe they couldn't have with their family members. Yes. That, that totally makes sense to me. And I, at first, when you were saying that about like crying, because I've not experienced my own animal dying yet, you know, these are my first. And, um, when you're saying that at first, I was like, really people cry more. And then I was like, Oh, I, I get that. I am closer. I am closer with both my cats than I am with anybody in my family. (laughs) I I don't love any more or less. I'm just saying like, and it's funny because I'll say to my dad, like, these are my, these are my sons. Like, these are my, these are my babies, literally. And my dad's like a cat, a cat, (laughs) you know, he grew up in a levee town in the country. It's like cats come and go. They die all the time. They, they multiply like you know it's yeah. more of like a farm type mentality it's just who yes. knows you might not see them tomorrow <laughs> yes <know>? I, yes <laughs> and people said to me if you ever let your cats out which i can't i live in an apartment building but yeah. if i ever were live in a place like the idea of letting them out into the exposure of the world and the fact that they couldn't come back is unthinkable yes yeah isn't that funny how far we go you know they're either mm-hmm. expendable outdoor animals or they're indoor you know soulmates that you're like oh the world does not yeah. like you out there <laughs> like yeah. they don't care about you you know but yeah, yeah I mean it's true because animals pick up on different levels of our energy so I mean the example that I always use is you can be sitting on the couch with your partner who is great. You have a great relationship with them and you're sitting there feeling sad and maybe a tear comes to your eye. The Mm -hmm. first being in the room that's going to come up to you is your cat or your dog. And they're going to do what your cat actually is doing right now, where they, they climb up and they start licking your face, Mm -hmm. you know, and they start like they're connecting with what's happening. And a lot of times the animals will come to your heart and you know, they're doing that all before your partner sitting two feet away from you has noticed anything. Because yeah. they just we're all on different levels. <laughs> They're like something, something is off. Yes. I, I'm gonna go rebalance that, especially yeah. with those little these little cats. Like I always wonder about the Egyptians. Yes, you know yes. all the like the depth. They're not the only culture, but you know the depth of of their their engagement with cats and, and respect and respect. And I can't remember where I was reading this, but they were talking about how they, they found this, like this practice where people were sitting in chairs that they were like slightly electrified, like running currents through. And, Uh and like the, in the depictions, there's like actually a cat is part of the process and is like sitting on the lap. And I'm like, dude, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down and just been in a meditation or whatever. And then this cat comes up and then the black cat will do this too and sits down and they'll purr. And I'm telling you the frequency of their purr when I'm in those states is just like slightly different. Yes. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, let's keep doing it. But I also just, I want to know, like, what, what is this? Where are we Uh going to, are we going to get on a Merkaba and start going to like (laughs) a different galaxy? Exactly. (laughs) Should I prepare myself? Should I call and stick to work tomorrow? Like, (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I mean, that's some ancient power, you know, especially cats. I think they've got like that real ancient power, you know? Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's sweet. 
Yeah. Well, Josie, I have a couple more questions for you. Okay. Um, if the you of 20 years ago were to walk into your dwelling right now and want to talk to you, what would you tell her? Ooh, so 20 years ago, I would have been 28. And if that 28 year old walked in, I would like get her a seat at the counter in my, my kitchen and I would feed her good food and give her warm tea and tell her that I know what you're going through. Cause when I was 28, my mother was terminally ill and I was in that process of, it was a long-term thing and just figuring out how to be in a family that that's happening to us and how to connect with my mom as she was passing. And I remember at 28 thinking, am I doing everything? Am I doing everything? Am I doing everything? You know, just constantly. So I think if that person walked in, I would give her some food, give her some hot tea and be like, dude, you are doing everything you need to do. And you're, you're okay. And you sure do a little more if you want, but if you can't, you can't, it's all just going to be fine. That Mm -hmm. relationship is going to be fine. And I think I did have somebody that, that told me stuff like that when I was 28, like, you know, Hey, you're going through a real rough time. Just know that whatever you do is okay. Mm -hmm. So I did have that, but it was somebody else, maybe not my future self, but I would say the same thing to that past self. I would just be like, Dude, and also look up the phrase self-compassion. I would have told her that. <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't be out there 20 years ago. I don't know, but I would be yeah. like, when you hear that, learn what that means because you are way too hard on yourself. <laughs> yes. yes, that's beautiful. And bless your your mother's journey. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is your blessing for this world, Josie? Um. You know, it's funny when you say blessing, I always think, what is my wish for the world? You know, that's what we do. Yeah. That's, okay. That's great. Yeah. Cause I love that word. It is a blessing. And really, my wish and my blessing for the world is to, you know, embrace and see the joy of curiosity. Be curious in things, you know, be curious in yourself, be curious in the people around you, and be curious in people that you aren't around, you know, that you don't know. And, I think that enjoyment of curiosity really helps us with other things like peace and joy and understanding and learning all of those things. I just always think that curiosity is kind of the foundation. So I would I would wish that for everybody because I, I think that we are coming into a time where there's a we're in it, where there's an opportunity to be curious yeah. and to learn new things if you take that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 I, I appreciate that. The curious exploration mm-hmm. of this world. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, Bisu. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. As as we're coming to the the awesome ending of the podcast, my cat is now scaling my body <laughs> and knocking over the screen behind me. He's like, it's sort of a little bit of the mic drop for him. He's like, what can I crash to the ground and be like, you're welcome. <laughs> I just feel like he wants to make his statement. That's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Josie, thank you for being here. I Thank you. Yes. And sharing your wisdom. Uh, we appreciate, you know, everything that you, you shared today. And I, again, my eyes are, are opening more and I know that 
that the listeners too are are super appreciative of of what the wisdom that you're bringing today. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this podcast and just yeah. contributing. It's just great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my dear. Awesome. Ah, oh, thank you again, Josie. As I'm re- I'm listening to this recording from last summer, I'm I'm editing now months later, and I'm so grateful for this reminder of exploring and being curious because right now, as I'm looking at this world that seems upside down, I'm sometimes at a loss for what is it that I'm supposed to do or, or, you know, what's the path, what's my duty. And sometimes it can just feel like there's a weight on my shoulders. And this last thing that Josie said, you know, be curious. She said a few times, you know, she embodies that curiosity and that exploration. And right at the end, as I was listening to the the end of our recording, I thought, gosh, like sometimes that is the remedy is to be curious and to explore. If I can't find anything else to heal or to rebalance or, you know, whatever, that, that self exploration or the exploration of the world around me is the solution. And um, I'm so thankful for that. Thank you, Josie, for being part of the podcast. I hope you come back. And for those of you wanting to connect with Josie, as always, I put all of my guests' information and their extended bio in the show notes. Thank you for joining us at the Woke Wisdom Podcast. The original and healthy beats for this podcast were created by Quincy Davis. I put his info in the show notes. The Woke Wisdom Podcast was written, created, and edited by me, Alexandra Loves. It is a production of the Moon Garden Temple. And my guests, of course, they bring their own wisdom. If you resonate with anything you heard today, please help us spread these messages and help get the podcast growing by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It just takes a few clicks. Clickety click, clickety click, click. You can contact me or the podcast at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com. And look, I used to read the disclaimer at the end of every episode. I'm not doing that anymore. It's too long. (laughs) If you really want to see the disclaimer, it's on our website or it's at the end of our very first episode, Orientation and Welcome. And if you're new to this podcast, I highly suggest you check that episode out. It's awesome. It kind of lays the land for what we talk about here and and the way we roll. So thank you, everyone. Be blessed and we'll catch you on the next one.